What is up, everyone? And welcome back to show about sports. I'm your host, Griffin Prock, and let me just take these first couple moments to reintroduce myself. As a lot of you probably haven't heard the podcast before because I took a little break from it. As you know, we all have day-to-day jobs. It's the end of the year. I think my last podcast was in October or November where we're previewing some NFL stuff. Now, today, we're previewing some national championships for college football. So I just want everyone to know who I am, what's up, what I'm going for here. Essentially, I'm just your average 20-something guy looking to just get into the sports world and talk about it a little bit. And what I've been doing during this past couple months since not recording my latest podcast is threading. Now, this is what I want to start out with mostly is shouting out everybody in the Threads community because this is the reason why I'm kicking this thing back into gear. Threads has been incredible. You all know it. Everyone's enjoying it. It's just been a breath of fresh air when it comes to sports discussions on a social media platform where it's just healthy debates, fun topics being pressed, a lot of people shouting each other out. It's just been incredible. So first of all, first and foremost, thank you to everyone that is listening to this right now. That's from Threads because I couldn't have done it without all of you guys. I haven't even really done anything yet. I've just been putting out daily threads on NBA, NFL, college football, and college basketball. Those are kind of my strong suits here. But you know, I'll dabble in a little bit of baseball or soccer here and there if there are big topics at the hand. But that's what I'm doing with this podcast. I'm trying to learn sports more and present my thoughts and opinions on it that I think I have and want to share with the community. Now, give me, cut me some slack as we go through this, especially like today. I've been watching sports all my life, but this is the first step I've taken in terms of commenting on sports and giving my kind of analysis. So hopefully, let's just say five, 10 years from now, I'm going to be sounding like one of those professionals on a show there. But right now, just work with me through any of these ups and downs when it comes to weird banter or weird points that lead to nothing or me falling off the track. That's just how it is. We all know how it is. When you're posting stuff new, it's always scary. So I just wanted to shout that out to everyone that does post things like this because it's awesome to see and I look up to people like that that are able to really voice their opinion and create something awesome out there. So enough about that. I know you threads people. I know everybody else on other social media platforms came to hear a little preview about uh, the college football playoff championship. Now, why this is coming to fruition is shout out to Threads. They're essentially the sponsor of this uh, show because them and RG3, the former college football great NFL quarterback, put together a list without my knowledge of the accounts that they're going to be looking forward to hearing about from the, their perspectives for the college football playoffs. And somehow I landed on that list of four with the athletic and 24 seven sports like media conglomerates. So shout out to all you guys. Cause it wasn't me that got me to that place. And I didn't even know I was in that place. I woke up and saw or woke up. I think that was the middle of the day. I was just working. And then I checked on my phone and I saw everybody shouting me out and I was like, this is incredible. So shout out to all you guys. I wanted to put this out here as the game is on Monday, recording this on Saturday. want to give you guys enough time to be able to listen to it and get kind of my insights on how I see the game playing out because This could be a really good national championship game. I want to give my uh, predictions, kind of my analysis from the semifinal games as well, and just kind of point out some things that maybe the casual viewer didn't catch in those semifinal games and just some backgrounds on these teams overall. So that is a long intro. So let's listen to a little bit of music, and then we're going to just jump right into it. Okay. The semifinals are over. The championship is here, and we have the one versus two battle of Michigan number one versus Washington number two. Both undefeated took care of business against the one lost teams of Texas and Alabama in the semifinals. And let me tell you, those games were one for the ages. 
one game was one for the ages unintentionally and the other was just a hard fought battle between two great teams. So let me just kind of review where we are here and talk about how we even got to this place in the first place. So Michigan, the big 10 winner of their conference versus Alabama in the semifinal. That was just a fight in the trenches. That was two teams that really wanted it, trying to figure out their identity, but also play around with other identities. And I think that was the biggest takeaway was both teams really fell out of what they were really good at. At the beginning, Michigan was trying to pass the ball literally on first down, first play of the game and almost threw an interception. And Alabama just had to rely on Milrose feet because no no passing lanes were open. Michigan's stout defense was there all game, not only getting pressure, but also just forcing tough throws across the board. So if we go back to the semifinal, semifinal game and why Michigan won the game, it really comes down to their QB pressures. Now, with Milrow, that's kind of Michigan's worst nightmare when it comes to a team, uh, a quarterback that they want to play, kind of that Lamar Jackson hybrid approach where he's able to win on his feet but also throw dimes across the middle of the field. So what they were able to do was kind of leverage the outside pressure to get not only pressures but also sacks on him. Most quarterbacks like stepping up in the pocket and throwing the ball, as you'll see with a Penix type of quarterback. But with Milrow, he likes to get out of the pocket to the left or the right. So Michigan essentially pushed up their edge rushers to just force him to step up, leading to less lanes in the middle because their linebackers were just ready, or he would get sacked. And that was kind of that's kind of Michigan's MO all year. And so that's going to be a key factor, not only in the semifinal game, but that's going to be a key factor in the final game that I'll be also talking about as well. Also something that happened in that game that I kind of alluded to early was Michigan was trying to show a little bit of pass because everybody knows they can run the ball. They all know Blake Corm's incredible on the ground, but Michigan was trying to catch him off guard with some throws, but learned that that wasn't going to work. And to truly win games in college football, you got to stick to your identity. And so what they did was they realized they only need three or four big throws, not even big throws. When I say that, I just mean completions. I mean, just throws in general on a possession and they can wear teams down with running the get, running the ball. They don't need a ton of possessions. They just need productive long possessions to wear down the defense. So that's what we saw a lot of as the game went on and Michigan kind of took hold of that game, even though it came down to overtime in that one. Now, another area of that was a big call for them was young talent and also special teams kind of fumbling the bag there. Now, I understand if you're a freshman specifically, I'm pretty sure it was number 82 on uh, on Michigan. He was trying to make big plays. I can appreciate that. I want guys that want to make big plays. That's why they're out there in the first place as freshmen. But in games like these, special teams cannot be an issue. It just can't. I would rather you fair catch something within the 10-yard line than fumble it on the 10-yard line like they did almost to not go to overtime and lose on a safety in that game against Alabama. And that wasn't 82. That was a different guy out there just for, uh, just to keep it factual and not put all the blame on one kid. But that's what we need to see. I would rather you play it safe on these. I know there are opportunities to make big plays on special teams, but you don't need that as a team like Michigan because your defense is so good, top 10 in both pass and rushing in the league. And I'm going to touch on that more later. And then also... You 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 just don't need a big play like that when you're when you're Michigan. That just really is the 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 moral of the story there. Also, something that they had to really play around with was the run game against Alabama. Alabama did do a really good job at running the ball against them. It really came down to Alabama remembering that their 
you know, way of winning is on the ground, not only with Milrow, but also McMillan in the back end. So they were able to take advantage, even though Michigan does have an insanely good rush defense, they were able to finally get some leverage and get some big plays there. And so that's something that they're going to have to kind of work on as they get to UW. Thankfully, UW only has really a passing game and their running back is banged up after the literal like last play of the game for the offensive side for UW. So they might not have to worry about the run as much, but definitely something to keep your eye out there. Now, the last thing for Michigan, kind of a high-level overview for those that missed it, Michigan really took care of business in terms of handling pressure. They had a lot of big third downs, a couple fourth down conversions that if you think back to it, they really needed those in order to win the game. So I want a team like that that's not only an old and wise team, they're able to handle those big moments. And that's kind of what it's like being in the Big Ten with all the spotlights. That's where football has them in the SEC. That's where the lights are always shining the bright. They're always on TV. They're always in big games, even if it's just against a divisional opponent, such as Maryland, when they had to go toe-to-toe with them late in the season and then take care of their rival Ohio State, things like that. So They're able to handle pressure, and I think that's a big takeaway from the semifinal game and all year round, as people have been saying they had kind of a cupcake schedule, as a lot uh, of people say. But I think Michigan showed that they have built their team in a way to handle these moments and be able to win on the ground and also have their defense stand up in big moments. So that is my takeaway for Michigan in that semifinal game. But now I want to jump over to UW and their semifinal game, which... The moral of the story is, man, that game should not have came down to that last possession. I was ready to stop watching because, as many of you know, I'm a Washington uh, State Cougs alum. So when I see UW playing well, it hurts my soul, but I'm trying to be objective here. So you're going to hear, if you're a Wazoo friend of mine, just know that deep down I hate saying good things about UW, but I have to because I'm objective. I'm trying to be a part of the media here (laughs) and be objective. So here's why... Washington won that game they played a defense that had a terrible secondary and their offensive line held up against their really good pass rush so Penix was able to sling the ball around I don't think the O-line got enough credit in that game I know people want to put a lot of emphasis on the way Penix was throwing the ball but I you just need to give love to the boys up front on that because that's the only reason why Penix had time he was able to step up in the pocket and make plays they even had designed runs for Penix Penix doesn't run anymore he used to until he got hurt every single year prior to this so the fact that they were willing to do that and the fact that Penix didn't even look like he sweat that whole game that's a big salute to the O-line up front because they weren't just running quick action plays they were running long developing plays you would see their play action leading to Penix taking a two or three step drop waiting to then step up in the pocket and almost look like not He's like not even bending his knees. He's just standing there and his Odunze would get across the field or Polk or McMillan or whoever, and he would just throw a dime to him. And so that was just impressive. That was the best display of, you know, wide receiver, offensive line, QB connection I've seen in a long time. And they needed every single second of it to win that game. And that in lies kind of an issue that I see with UW heading into this final game. And as we've seen with them all year, They're undefeated and went through the gauntlet of the Pac-12, but man, they could have lost a couple of those games. I mean, the Apple Cup in one, they won by a a field goal against Washington State. I was at that game, and if we were right there the whole time, and our our team was bad, Wazoo was bad. 
And so they also struggled against Arizona State as well in the season like like that. And I mean, Oregon gave them troubles as well. That came down to the wire. So wanted to call that out. But here's like kind of the, to put everything into perspective on that, in the fourth quarter with 12 minutes left, UW was up 34 to 21 on Texas. In any big game or in any regular game, you have to put that game away. You can't be looking <laughs> and being like, we can take our our finger off the, pe- uh, our toe off the gas. See, this is what I mean by stay with me as I develop my metaphors here. But if they just have to put teams away and they just never really have, and that's kind of their defense's fault plus their offense's fault in terms of not being able to have a balanced offense with run and pass. So they they fall when they decide to stop passing and just run clock, they're unable to get first downs on the ground. And so, yes, they had two rushing touchdowns in that game, but those were all in the red zone. Those were not long 20-yard runs for touchdowns. So that's going to be a point of emphasis in this game because I don't see Michigan UW being a 34-31 to finish. I see this being a much lower scoring affair, more in the 20s there. So... But I want to give credit to the defense as well as there was some great points. And the great points was Braylon Trice. I mean, that man made so much money in that semifinal game in terms of the NFL draft where he'll be essentially going into next year where he is a top five prospect and he might be number one in my books in terms of the edge. That man was getting pressure. He was relentless, poking balls out with fumbles. Like this man was everywhere. He has everything you want in a defensive end. And he just... He might be a little undersized in terms of height, but I don't think that matters if you have the power and the finesse there. So excited to see what he can do in this game to try to pressure McCarthy, kind of like what they did with Ewers. But Ewers was still making plays, so salute to him for that. Now, the last point of emphasis that I want to call out in that semifinal game was UW's ability to take care of the secondary with Texas. And I heard this stat, and I don't know the exact one, but All I know is that Texas is barely within the top 100 in terms of their secondaries defense in college football. So that's a lot of teams ahead of them in terms of better secondaries. And we've seen this before where UW struggles with better secondaries and they've been in a lot of shootouts this year. So going to be a point of emphasis for the game, but wanted to call that out as kind of a semifinal note for those that were more just casually viewing and thought they were just taking full advantage of Texas's secondary, which they were but it was a bad secondary to start with. Okay, enough about the semifinals though. Let's talk previewing the championship now. So I kind of touched on a lot of things there and I've kind of been able to see a lot of people's opinions on threads and on YouTube and other podcasts and whatnot. And I think it's all coming down to, and I threaded about this the other day. Essentially, this will be, can Washington's high-powered offense... And when I say high-powered offense, I mean their passing offense, which leads the college football, which leads college football in passing yards per game at well over 350 yards. Or will Michigan's top, what is the number, top two defense be able to stop the pass for them? Most people would say that's a big, so Tech UW is going from playing the 95th to 99th secondary in all of college football to like a top 10 unit that's a hard adjustment and no team is on a one-week basis going to be able to game plan for that 
accordingly, especially with the defense that not only is that, but also number is another top 10 unit in the rush. So they're able to get to the quarterback. They're able to get to the, they're able to stop you short. It's going to come down to Michigan's defense being able to stop UW's offense. And if they can't, this will then full fall into UW having the leg up in this game. If UW can run up the score, have a lot of possessions in this game, don't turn the ball over and their defense can just like wake up and be great for like two quarters of that game, getting a couple stops, UW wins that game. But in games like this, we usually see a lot more jitters. We see a lot more pressure. We see a lot of teams straying away from their identity to try to be a little flashy or try to catch the team off guard. And and I expect to see both teams play around with that, which means defense is only more important. Both of the semifinal matchups perfectly, their opponents perfectly matched a style of game that they could win. Michigan loves winning those close games against good teams like this, like Alabama and the SEC. And then UW loves winning shootouts against teams and just hopes to have the ball last and their defense makes a big play at the end of the game. Both formulas are completely contradictory when they now are going to play each other. And when you think about who's going to win this game in the end, you almost have to give a leg to Michigan. And this is kind of previewing who I'm predicting to win, not who I'm wanting to win, just predicting to win. So everybody... Yeah, that are UW fans. Let's let's take a deep breath here. But top ten defense is something that's going to slow down Penix. So I just want that to be uh, on everybody's you know forefront. Now the other thing UW's going to need to do if in order if they want to win, this is a key to their game is putting teams away. They need to get stops. Their defense can get stops, but a lot of their stops, like in that Texas game, were fumbles by Texas. They weren't stops they were one-off turnovers I know a lot of people think there's two turnovers but one of the Texas running backs ran into the butt of his own player and fumbled it these are big and yet Texas still had a chance to win that game that's kind of what I'm saying in terms of can they put teams away another thing that's going to be important and I alluded to this earlier and this is mostly for both teams but also UW because they will need to take care of the ball because each possession is going to mean a little bit more to them I think than Michigan is special teams Fair catch, take the ball, don't do anything fancy, kick field goals when you can, take the points, you know, don't miss field goals. You know, Grady Gross has been on a a tear right now, so shout out him for getting that scholarship after the Apple Cup. That was awesome to see. But they just need to continue to be efficient in their procedural nature when it comes to special teams. And this also is Michigan as well, where they had two miffed, uh, whiffed punts and uh in their semifinal game as well so that is also important now the next thing i want to talk about is u-dubs defense just as a whole as it relates to uh michigan's offense so michigan's offense you know is a run-of-the-mill offense they really focus heavy on run and play action but they also like to get super creative where jj can also get on his feet and also make quick throws he's not really a deep ball thrower he can but they like to keep those passes where they let their wide receivers use their legs more than jj using his arm talent there so they're going to be super balanced now when we look at UW stats they are currently 54th in scoring defense meaning they give up the 54th you know most points uh out of the out of all the defenses and they're 97th in total defense so all of the metrics combined 
they are barely in the top 100 in terms of an efficient defense. And I saw this on the Joel Klatt show. And if you don't watch his stuff, you should because he he does it better than I than anybody does in terms of college football. So what he was talking about on that one that I thought was really important was there has been no national champion ever that has been that has had as bad of a defense as UW has going into this game. Now, what's great about sports is on any given day, you might just wake up and taste greatness. The ball might bounce into your hands, like what we saw in that Texas-Washington game where Texas even what did play good defense and it tipped right into UW's hands for a touchdown. This is what I'm saying about football. There is luck and there is randomness to it as well. But he was saying Auburn and LSU back when Cam Newton and Joe Burrow were around, they all had like defenses in the 30s and 50s, and that's a huge defense of change from 97th 97th and that's kind of how the semifinal game played out where Texas had a top like a bottom half in the 90s defense as well and both teams were just putting up points even when we thought Texas was out of this game for any of people that actually watch college football you're like they're gonna stick around I'm not writing them off per se and that's what we saw it literally came down to one final play so Will UW's defense be able to step up other than Braylon Trice? I don't know, but I'm worried about it. I would be worried about it as well if I'm a UW fan because your offense is amazing, but your defense is, it's hard. It's like, think of it for all my basketball NBA threaders out there. It's like kind of watching the Dallas Mavericks where you're like, holy cow, like Luka is insane. Kyrie Irving is a great second piece. They have so many guys around him. Their offense is awesome, but on defense, they kind of, fall asleep at the wheel almost and they just don't have what they need so that was in a if you're an NBA person I hope you're still listening so shout out you guys as well so like I was saying I just wanted to wrap up this stat as well for their offenses Michigan is second in pass defense and eighth in rough rush defense my note on that is tough because Michigan's not going to be a team that turns the ball over on their own they're going to take their time on offense so if one or two things go the wrong way in terms of turnovers, say Penix throws an interception, running back fumbles, it can lead to a, a, a loss of one possession could mean so much in this game rather than what it meant in the Texas game where there was a lot of back and forth there. So that is kind of my keys for Dub if they want to win. It's going to just be about continuing to follow who they are and limiting mistakes and stepping up on defense, waking up and feeling the greatness of the day. Now, when we look at Michigan's keys to the game, like they just need to do what they did against Milrow on Alabama. They need to get pressure because Penix was standing, like I was saying earlier, Penix was able to just stand around, hang around, just get what he wants. He, he was looking like Cameron Ward in the backfield where he was just standing straight up. You want your quarterback thinking on his toes, making him change directions, seeing one thing and then another thing appearing. So what they're going to have to do is get Penix to get pressure because he doesn't want to run. He will run if he has to, but you don't expect him to run a million times. He'll probably throw it away more than anything. So if they kind of do the same pressure, they might want to focus on more middle pressure this game than outside pressure because Penix likes to step up in the pocket. He will stand in the pocket for a long time, take a hit, and that's a shout out to him that he's willing to do that, and he that's why he's such a good quarterback. And so if Michigan can do that against Washington's O-line, who stepped up, like I said earlier, they will have a lot of success there. So that's going to be something to know. Watch the big boys up front trying to get pressure and actually getting sacks, not just pressure. 
Now another another key to the game for Michigan is playing at tempo. They don't they're not high flying. They're not one play gets them a big I remember in the semifinal game they had that weird play where JJ McCarthy's like running back and then he like throws off his back foot after like a whiffed I don't even remember exactly what it was, but you all know who I'm talking about where he got crushed by the Alabama guy and tossed it up. That was like a 20-yard gain, you know? But with UW, they had like three or four of those plays, maybe even five in their semifinal game. So if they can play a tempo and have long possessions and less possessions across the board, they're going to have the advantage in this game because they don't want UW on the field. They want them feeling like every possession might be their last of the quarter of the half. So if they can get UW to speed up and Michigan just stay at their pace, they're going to win this game that way. If they have to get into a shootout, <clears throat> I get a little bit worried for Michigan. I'm not rooting for either. I'm just saying I get a little bit worried for Michigan in that aspect is they haven't truly proven they can win shootouts. Yes, they've had high-scoring games, but those were against teams that were not the UW, you know, like they were not high flight. They were not Alabama. That Alabama game was like the perfect storm and a great offensive day for Michigan against a great team. If there was a couple more errors, they would have lost that game. So that's their next kind of key of the game. And then, like I was saying, their defense getting turnovers. This is kind of back to playing at their tempo. If they want to play at their tempo, they have to get turnovers. And they're they're very good at getting turnovers, as you'll have seen from those defensive stats overall. But if they're able to stop the what I'm calling the freight train of UW's passing offense, they're gonna be just fine. Cause just imagine we go, we're going into half. It's you know 14-10. UW's driving down the field, two minutes left, and they're they stop them, you know, right before half. And they're able to get an interception right in the red zone. That is a momentum killer for UW. They do not bounce back well from momentum killing moves like that. They can, don't get me wrong. But in a game like this, that just means more. If you can then go down, get a field goal for the half, be up by seven, that type of stuff is really important for a team like Michigan to win this game. They all have they they have secondary guys that will be in the NFL one day once they're draft eligible, but Right now, I think this is like a huge, huge, huge emphasis there. So overall, if you can kind of sense where I'm going with all of this, I really think Michigan has the upper hand. I think they have been the more not consistent team all year because they've both won every game that they've played, but more consistent in terms of their more complete overall. They don't have very many weaknesses, and their weaknesses are then filled by their by their greatness. And UW has been doing that on their side by just relying on Penix and their three wide receivers and tight ends showing up every single day. But they might be down their running back. They might be down an offensive lineman in this game. It's just going to be difficult for UW to hang around if their offense doesn't come out just firing. And not to say that's not going to happen, but if I had to push my chips to one side of the table, I'm going to have to put it to Michigan. Now, I don't know how to give a final score prediction, but I feel like I have to on stuff like this because then, you know, people would be like, oh, he's so good at, you know, predicting stuff and maybe I'll get it right. But if I don't, you won't hear my prediction again <laughs> in the comments. So overall, I think the game is going to end in the 20s. I think games like these, like, 
they're they are gonna feel close but i feel like one team is gonna pull away by 10 in the end and i think that's gonna be michigan so i'm actually gonna put this game at like a 24 to 14 kind of game where it could come down to the wire where it's 21 you know 14 in the fourth quarter and then they're just why uh, Michigan's able to get a stop at the end, go down the field, take the points, get up by 10. And then there's just not enough time left uh, for you. That's just kind of an overall prediction, but that's, that's a based off of nothing. That's just how I feel like it's going to go there. So I'm going to give the nod to Michigan. Sorry for all the UW fans. I promise you, this is not because I'm a coup. I just think the stats, Michigan's defense being so great, and your defense not being up to standard, I think is gonna cause issues. Cause if Michigan kind of gets on a roll offensively, which is not kind of their MO, it, it could be weird for sure. So that's my prediction for the game. And that's kind of my preview overall. Shout out to everyone on threads once again. If you haven't followed me or followed anybody else in the community, please do on I'm at Griffin underscore proc on threads. Excited to watch this game on Monday, and I'm gonna be live threading the game with uh, the help of threads and you know Robert Griffin the third and everybody else on that list. It's kind of crazy. So follow me there for any live updates that you have. And I'm rooting for both teams here. I'm rooting for a good game because those semifinal games were awesome, even though there were some good moments bad moments everything that's just what's great about sports so like i said this was just a quick preview of everything don't want you guys to be on the horn for that long enjoy the rest of your day enjoy the rest of the weekend and uh cheers everyone